It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation, and welcome to your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every game, news item, rumor, and more. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is David Ramil. The Heat traveled to Atlanta to face the Hawks for the second game of a home-and-home set, and they did so without Justice Winslow, who sat out the game because of back inflammation. The Hawks were shorthanded too without star guard Trey Young, but they showed on Tuesday night that they could be feisty without him, and that was the case on Thursday as well, with the Hawks keeping the game close on a night when Jimmy Butler struggled offensively. But they were carried by Kendrick Nunn, the rookie, who continues to impress. Nunn put up 28 points on 10 of 15 shooting, including 4 of 6 from 3-point land. Tyler Hero was Miami's second best scorer, continuing his hot shooting against the Hawks. Hero chipped in 17 points on 6... 7 of 16 shooting, sorry. He was a little cold from the perimeter, just 3 of 9, and he didn't get to the free throw line at the same rate as he did on Tuesday when he shot 16 free throws. But in fact, the whole team didn't get a friendly whistle. They came into Atlanta shooting an average of 32 free throws per game, second best in the NBA, but they shot just 19 on the night. But they also limited turnovers, something that had been a problem the first four games. Miami had just 13 turnovers on Thursday and were pretty efficient overall, knocking down about 48% of their field goal attempts. The Hawks were led by Jabari Parker's 23 points, and they also got 18 from DeAndre Bembry, who was really aggressive, and he kept the Hawks in the game. He was attacking the basket, and he seemed to get past almost anybody who was defending him, so he really had a big impact there. Atlanta stayed in it and eventually chipped in Miami's big lead. It was whittled down to just four, but the Heat finally got some timely shooting late in the fourth quarter to seal the game, and now they move on to a big matchup versus Houston at a very solid 4-1 and record. So Jimmy's stat line of the night, 9 rebounds, 11 assists, 6 steals, 3 blocks to go with 5 points on 2 of 10 shooting. So again, his shooting wasn't there, but he was making such an impact elsewhere. And you could really tell that when he was off the floor, Miami didn't seem to have any kind of clear identity. Um, they were going to players too often. Um, the offense just seemed to get bogged down. The defense in particular really, really fell apart. And so Jimmy came in there. He played 30 five total minutes and had a plus 21 rating on the floor so a very very positive plus minus rating obviously and he just seems to have an impact in, in so many different ways uh his, his steals in particular that incredible defense just chasing down rebounds he has such an incredible knack for when a ball is coming off the rim and he just seems to fly in from anywhere there was one shot in particular from the perimeter i can't remember who shot it now but Jimmy was at the top of the key and he just noticed exactly when the ball was coming off and he out wrestled alex slend 
who's seven foot four, and, and some other Hawks defenders there to pull down the rebound and, and give Miami an offensive rebound and, and another opportunity at a basket. So Jimmy continued to have a very positive impact, as did Bam Adebayo, who was fantastic as a playmaker. He added seven assists along with his 12 points. He just looked really solid overall. His defense continues to be excellent. Um, two blocks as well. So he is continuing his trend of being a very, very solid defender. Not an overwhelming offensive player, but such a good playmaker. And part of what makes Miami's offense so dynamic. Without Hassan Whiteside, you can totally see the impact of this uh, of Bam getting significant playing time as a starter. He just makes everything so much more electric. It flows so much better. Because rebounds come off or a shot is blocked and he brings the ball up in transition. He's looking to pass the ball or attack the basket and giving opportunities to others. And with seven assists, I mean, that's that's Nikola Jokic territory as far as a big man is concerned. I, I think he's really creating a reputation as an excellent playmaker. And I don't think we saw that from him in his first year in Miami. We saw moments of it here and there. Again, he wasn't playing as much. Hassan was also in the lineup. And that changes the offense in particular. But Miami's offense in general just looks so much smoother because there are so many different playmakers. After the game, even when Nunn was asked about his scoring prowess, he just pointed out something that I've said very consistently over the last few weeks, that Miami's score, Miami's playmaking ability, because they have so many different players who can create opportunities for others, just really makes this a much more dynamic group. Really, really fun to watch. I saw a lot of people talking about whether or not this group is as deep as any other in Heat history, uh, whether it might be the second best team to the Big Three era. Maybe that's overstating it. Again, we're going through five games right now. They need to come up with some very big wins, have very big moments throughout the course of the season. But at the very least, what we've seen over the first five games is that Miami is very good. They attack the basket. They create opportunities for others. They knock down shots from the perimeter. They're looking to score. They play a very fast pace. I think they're still top in the league as far as that pace is concerned, even though they were a little bogged down uh, tonight against the Hawks, particularly because Justice wasn't in the lineup. But overall, they just look phenomenal. Uh, Myers Leonard also looked really, really good. He had a fantastic game, probably his best game in a Heat uniform. He looked really active as a scorer. He had 16 points on 6 of 10 shooting, including some big ones in the fourth. He knocked down a three-pointer, looked over his shoulder at the Hawks bench and smiled as he ran down court. Uh, a shot from the baseline there really... I think helped Miami kind of build that cushion that they needed in order to seal the win. He also put the ball down on the floor a couple of times. I think he got fouled once, and another time he did actually manage to score. But the fact that he was looking that aggressive, a little bit more mm, not fleet-footed. I mean, he's he's been so much of a standstill shooter, uh, you know, creating from the perimeter and, and, and knocking down those shots when they're available. But he hasn't really shown much else as a scorer. He did also show some flashes as a playmaker. He only had two assists, but those were impressive. And again, when you combine that with Bam and Abayo, you've got a nice big band rotation, including Kelly Olenek, of, of seven-footers, you know, close to seven-footers in Bam's case, that can make plays for others. And that just makes everything on this floor so much more dynamic. That's the only word I can come up for it. And it's just, it flows better. It looks better. It's fun. It's aesthetically pleasing, but it's also just really effective. They're scoring. They're scoring well. And uh, they were able to knock down, let's see, 48% of their shots overnight. So they were they were really, really good from the floor. They didn't put up a whole heck of a lot of points in comparison to what we've seen from them in the, in the past few games, but they just look great. Nunn also looked really impressive as a scorer. He continues to be fearless in his attacking of the basket, 
10 to 15 from the field, four or six from three point range. The shot is flowing. Um, I, you know, it's it's tough to kind of put what none is because it's only five games and it's hard to debate how much of an impact he'll have. I'll get into it later on when I answer your listener questions as well, whether or not he's a legitimate rookie of the year candidate. But he is a, a very gifted scorer without a doubt, and he does seem extremely confident. He's shooting at such a high level. I, I don't know that it's sustainable, and I don't know that we're always going to get nights like this where Jimmy's struggling, where Justice is out, where Goran Dragic is struggling, and somebody needs to take out the scoring load, and Kendrick was more than willing to do so. And you have to keep, keep in mind that, one, Atlanta is not a very good and deep team. They were also without their best player in Trey Young. If he's knocking down shots, if he's making passes for others the way he can because he's such a great playmaker – that changes the flow of the game, and maybe it doesn't turn out as well for Miami as it did on Thursday. But at least for this night, it just looked really, really good, and and none in particular looked very impressive. Um, I don't know that there's any other word for it. It's it's look the the discussion on none is one that I've gotten in somewhat trouble with as far as our our listeners, or at least what Twitter would indicate. It's going to be hard to fully appreciate what he can do given his past and I'll just say this right now as I mentioned it before and I've mentioned it on Twitter but you know there is a history there uh, one of domestic violence that kind of changes the perception when it comes to Kendrick Nunn but hopefully he's moved on and if that's the case that's the reason why he was undrafted out of college that's the reason why he was in the G League for the full year and nobody wanted him on their team Miami saw something gave him an opportunity I guess judged his character to be high enough that they wouldn't, that he wouldn't lapse again, that he wouldn't have another situation like he did. This is a very difficult conversation to have. It's nuanced. I don't feel completely capable and ready at this point in time to, to go fully into that. But at the very least, let's keep that in mind when we, we're talking about none. Let's be optimistic about it. Let's be hopeful that he can stay on the right path. And as far as his on-court production is concerned, he is undoubtedly a a very sharp-looking player. But we'll get into his case for the Rookie of the Year, as well as Jimmy's case for MVP. I'll answer that and more. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked on at checkout. I live north of Miami where the seasons actually change, so I can appreciate sweater weather and leaves on the ground, but my favorite part of all, threes from downtown. For some, it's fall season, but for the rest of us, it's ball season. Professional and college ball is tipping off, obviously. There's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you like to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win, and they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Support your team. Support the Heat. Get paid and get in the game with mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. my player instead of the game the next segment but first i'll answer some of your questions that you sent in using the hashtag ask elohit billy coon writes it looks like jimmy missed point winslow this game is a reason why jimmy won mvp because past mvps like lebron russell westbrook steph curry kevin durant and Giannis can all be the score and playmaker jimmy's one or the other i disagree billy i gotta be honest with you i, I think that's part of Billy's game. Uh, sorry, part of Jimmy's game is that he can be both. Um, tonight, his shot was not there. He missed shots that he would typically not. He missed a couple of bunnies at the rim. The shot from the perimeter wasn't falling. He was 0 of 2. He's not Steph Curry. He's not an electric shooter from three point range, but he can knock it down a little bit more consistently. And and I think what's the strength of Jimmy, something that we talked about when we had Jimmy Butler week over the off season when we spoke to reporters who had covered him in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in Minnesota, is that there are no holes in Jimmy's game. And we saw that in his one season in Philadelphia. He was emerging by the end of the season as their best player because he could do so much. And I think that's, if anything, the strength of Jimmy's MVP case. On a night like tonight, he finished with the best plus-minus rating of plus 21 because he had those rebounds, because he was able to have 11 assists, because he was able to impact so much defensively. If you remember the case for Giannis last year, a lot of that was built on his defensive prowess, the fact that he was as good a defender as he was, that he was emerging to be this incredible defender, as well as one of the top scorers in the league. Scoring absolutely has a lot to do with a strong MVP case. But if you look at Russell Westbrook, his scoring wasn't as high. It was the triple doubles. It was the fact that nobody had done this in NBA history. Steph Curry was a different player. KD, similarly. Guys that can score a lot, but even Kevin Durant is an underrated defender. I think we saw a lot of that when he was in Golden State because so many other players on that team were plus defenders as well. But even LeBron in Miami turned into an excellent defender as well as an overall really efficient player, a guy who could score from the perimeter, something he hadn't been able to do when he won his first MVPs in Cleveland. So I think you can be both. And I think more than anything, what drives the MVP case, and I'll maintain this pretty consistently, it's narrative. I remember talking to players that for a year that Russell won the MVP and asking them who they thought was the legitimate MVP. A lot of people had Steph. A lot of people had LeBron. Nobody had Kawhi, who was putting up monster numbers. I just, a lot of people kind of held it against him that he was taking over the Spurs at that point and and becoming their best player when, when the system had always worked. And the system was so good at maximizing a player. And that was held against Kawhi. Now I think the narrative's changed. I think you're you're going to see Kawhi, especially if he can accomplish quite a bit with the Clippers, gain more MVP consideration. But similarly with Jimmy in Miami, I, I think if if you start to see this team improve raw, and and obviously it's going to take big nights from Kendrick Nunn. It's going to take an improvement from Bam Adebayo and Justice Winslow. It's going to take Tyler Hero emerging into a great player. You can't win anything, whether it's an individual award or a team accomplishment like a title, without a strong group of players. You can have your individual greats. Jimmy still is that. 
But without the team playing at a high level, you're not going to gain that kind of consideration. And in Jimmy's case, if this team looks energized, again, this roster isn't drastically different from the roster there was last year. You took away Hassan Whiteside, you take away Josh Ritson, you add Nunn and Hero, and all of a sudden, it's a much better group. And a lot of that has to do, I think, with Jimmy's style of play, the fact that he can lead to from defense that leads into a fast break offense and, and and the fact that there are so many playmakers on this team and all these different parts kind of create a narrative that this team is better and and jimmy's at the forefront of that so i think he will get mvp consideration based on his overall versatility and the strength of his game we'll see how it plays out over the course of the season if there are more nights like tonight when he's contributing statistically if not as a score then those chances are lessened, but for the most part, I think he's a really good player, and I think a lot of people recognize that this team is much, much better as a result of his addition. Jeff asks, did TNT mention even once the effect of Justice being out? He seems to get little respect. Can't disagree there. I, I don't, I think when the it comes to Justice Winslow, especially from the national perspective, they're not sure what to make of him. Uh, you know, we saw the reaction over the summer when he said he wanted to be the full-time point guard, when he spoke to my former co-host Wes Goldberg and told him, that he thought he had another year of growth here, that he could, he wanted the ball in his hands, that he wanted to be the team's point guard. A lot of people balked at that, and they said, well, you haven't done anything. You haven't really proven it. And I think there's still, the jury's still out on how to process Justice Winslow. And he's a solid defender, and I think that's the strength of his game. But even when you talk about Bam Adebayo, I think that's what people mention, is that defense, not necessarily the playmaking ability, not the, the athletic explosion, sure. The defense, yes, not his playmaking ability. So I think that's the way that these narratives play out. The people voting on this award are watching the teams that they cover respectively. If it's a national media type like a Zach Lowe, they're trying to watch all 30 teams. There's only so much nuance you can pick up. And when it comes to Justice Winslow, it's hard to put him in a category because we're not sure exactly what he is for now. He looks really great as the point guard. He's made a lot of plays. He struggled on Tuesday night when Jimmy was back in the lineup. And so it's still difficult to assess what Winslow's impact is right now. Miami was still able to win without him in the lineup. They got playmaking from everybody else. So if that's the case, it negates how people view his overall impact. So that's something to take into consideration. He's not necessarily being disrespected. I just think he is still an unknown quantity. And they're not quite sure how to assess his play and his impact. So... The effect of him being out, I'm not sure how much it impacted Jimmy. Um, you know, to Billy's question earlier, uh, I think Jimmy could have scored even without Justice there. The shots just weren't falling. The shots that typically do did not. And so Justice creates opportunities for others. He needs to learn how to play a little bit more off-ball as a score because his scoring had been such a big part of Miami's first three games. And so hopefully we'll start to see how that changes. I, I expect that if he's back in the lineup against Houston – that we'll see a true test of, of what Justice can do, not just as an offensive player, but obviously the defensive one as well. So, uh, Twan asks, sorry, Twan speaks, asks, so Kendrick Dunn for Rookie of the Year, huh? Well, as I said before, a lot of that is narrative driven. It's hard to assess exactly what Dunn's impact is going to be. And I even wrote about this in a recent piece for Forbes. What are we talking about when we're talking about Rookie of the Year? Somebody who puts up a lot of points, and, and Dunn is certainly doing that. But you have to figure that Miami's goals are more team-oriented. This is a team that's pretty much slated to be in the playoffs. I think that's a, a pretty good bet, especially at this point, looking as good as they have, barring any kind of injury or major issue. This looks like a, a lock for the playoffs. The other rookies, especially those selected in the lottery, 
are playing on bad teams. I wrote about the, the fact that John Morant is on the Memphis Grizzlies that have won one game. The New York Knicks have won one game. Zion Williamson, you know, hasn't even played a game yet, and he's the favorite. If he comes back and he's electric and he's everything people expected Zion to be, whether they win or not, he's going to get the votes. And so as nice as the Nunn story is that he's being as prolific a scorer as he is, I think this team is still viewed as that, a team, not necessarily because of Nunn's individual greatness. And and I think there's also his past, and that does play a part of it. Uh, you know, the fact that he's not a true rookie. He went undrafted, but he was also, he's also 24. He's not a 19-year-old like Tyler Hero or, or you know, a young, young player like John Morant or R.J. Barrett in New York. So those things are, are certainly a factor there. He had, in Nunn's case, he had five-year college career. He had to sit out one year because of NCAA rules when he was transferred from Illinois to Oakland University. So he's a little bit older. He's certainly much more polished. We can see how the Rookie of the Year campaign plays out. Ben Simmons versus Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, um, the fact that... Uh, Blake Griffin didn't get it when he was injured his first year, etc. I mean, how do we separate the training that he's getting while he's part of the team, even if he's not actually out on the floor playing? So he still won Rookie of the Year eventually. Um, so did Ben Simmons, even when he went through something similar. In, in Kendrick's case, the fact that he's a little older, that he was playing in the G League for a year, maybe that won't be held against him. Maybe it will. It's, it's tough to assess. Maybe there will be some guilty feelings from media members that vote on this regarding uh, whether or not they can vote for a player with his past, with the fact that he's played in the G League, that he's actually older than your typical rookie. It's a, it's a tough situation to assess. This is assuming that he's able to play at this consistent a level throughout the rest of the season. And the, I, have to, I, I have to think that Jimmy's going to be a little bit more assertive on offense, that the offense is going to flow mostly through Justice, Jimmy, Goron off the bench, Tyler Hero to some extent as a backup player. That Kendrick's going to be in that starting lineup to complement those guys in the starting lineup, bam, etc. But that he's not necessarily going to be your top scorer. If he does finish second on the team, and I still expect him to finish second on the team right now, he's leading the team. If he does finish second on the team to Jimmy, and he's averaging 18 points per game, 17, 16 points per game, let's say that's probably closer to the 22-point-something points that he's averaging now, You'd have to get serious consideration, but there's a lot of different factors there. It makes it very hard to, to suss out whether his chances are legitimate for now. He looks really good, and we should probably just appreciate that. Mark Armour asks, who is the dark horse on the team? Whew. That's that's a tough one, too. Um, I'd have to say it's probably Justice Winslow. I, I think he is the player who has the most potential to break out and really change the dynamic of this team. If we see the justice that we saw in the first three games alongside a much more effective and usual version of Jimmy Butler and we get the scoring punch that we do from Kendrick and Goron off the bench and things of that sort, Justice unlocks his team in a lot of ways because of his defense, because of his playmaking ability, because his floater seems like a very polished weapon. His outside shooting still remains a, a problem. It's a little less consistent than it was last season. But if he is a 35% shooter, 36% shooter, putting up about 3-4 attempts per game, he still gets to the rim, he still makes plays for others, then this team looks so much better. Even better than they have to, on a night like tonight when they were really good as playmakers and, and creating so many opportunities for other playmates and things of that sort. So 
they just they look really really good and I think Justice can make this team really really even better and, and so I, that's to me the, the dark horse so I don't I don't know if that answers your question specifically Mark it's it's kind of tough to figure out exactly what the dark horse means but to me it's it's somebody that's somewhat unexpected obviously Justice we're, we're looking to him to have a big impact so maybe he doesn't quite fit the dark horse Kendrick is probably the best dark horse then because he wasn't there were no expectations for him he wasn't supposed to be getting these kind of minutes because of Dion um, and Tyler and Goron, etc. So that backcourt was already filled out, and the fact that Dion's in the doghouse, that Goron's coming off the bench, that Tyler Hero is coming off the bench, that's created an opportunity for none, and he's made the most of it. So I guess in that sense, he might be the dark horse. Uh, you're the one to best answer that. But from my perspective, the one who really unlocks his teams and makes them from really, really good to great is Justice Winslow. Coming up next, I'll give you the stat and player of the game. You're listening to Locked on Heat. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked On Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review, especially if it's a good one. So the stat of the game is 29. The total number of assists on 40 made field goals. That's phenomenal. Uh, Again, you can't overstate how fun this team looks when they're making plays for others, when they're passing the ball as well as they are. The ball is moving. It's not sticking. A lot of that has to do with Bam in a starting lineup and Noah Son Whiteside bogging down the offense with Josh trying to create over-dribbling and looking to create space and not having a go-to offensive move. To, to finish at the rim. I mean, look, I don't want to knock Josh because I think he was great in Miami, even if he wasn't the, the superstar a lot of people hoped he would be. But he had limitations on offense. Clearly, Hassan Whiteside did as well. But now this offense just seems so much better, so much smoother, and, and the number of assists on their main field goals, I think is a really good indicator of how effective it's been, uh, how they're making plays for others. So I, I'd, I'd like to see a lot more of that over the course of the season. The GOAT of the game, the best player from tonight, I'd have to say it's Jimmy Butler. Uh, despite Kendrick's phenomenal scoring, Jimmy had a real overall impact. One that you could feel when you were watching that game. When he was off the floor, Miami got bogged down and they were lost offensively. He came back out there and even if he wasn't scoring, he was making plays, diving on the floor, uh, you know, doing everything he needed to do. And, and he's just he's, he's that good a player is that he can change it. And, and something I didn't mention before in talking about his MVP candidacy is that I I still think he's capable of picking and choosing his spots because the great ones can we saw a lot of that from LeBron James that there were first quarters where he was not aggressive where he kind of wanted to see what he was going to get from Dwayne or Chris or others he wanted to kind of get everybody going and then he would pick his moments when he would be more aggressive as a scorer he would take that shot otherwise he would maybe force a pass or try to get somebody else going and I think Jimmy still does that and and 
if anything, to me, that's an indicator of the strength of his game is that he can make plays for others. He can kind of take a step back and not necessarily feel the need to be an aggressive scorer because for the most part, whenever he wants to get a shot off, he can. He knows how. His timing is excellent. He's got a great first move. He's got a, an offensive repertoire that leads him to take really good shots whenever he wants to take those, but he can also sit back a little bit, make plays for others, watch as Kendrick goes off for 28 points, and just do the little things that help a team win. And so that's why tonight I think he was the best player of the game. Unfortunately, the scapegoat of the game was Goran Dragic. Uh, you know, we're starting to see a trend from him where he might not always be the consistent scorer after a couple of games ago where he was a really effective scorer and put up all these points. I'm oh, sorry, against Atlanta. What am I saying? He had 21 points against the Hawks. Against the Hawks on Thursday, he only had four points on one to five shooting and 19 minutes of play. 0 for 3 from three-point range. If that shot's not falling and he's not getting to the rim and he's not necessarily as aggressive or he doesn't have it going, um, he's not much of a factor. He can chip in defensively. Um, he had three assists as well. But for the most part, he also had three turnovers. And, and he's just he did not look as good as he has on the past. And so it's hard to say that we're going to get a consistent version of Gorn over the course of the season. I don't know that we ever really have. I, no, I take that back. During his all-star campaign and the year before that in particular, I think he was very consistently Miami's best scorer. He just wasn't dynamic. He wasn't putting up gaudy numbers that gave him attention across the country. And uh, I don't know if that we're going to see a consistent version from him this year. They're going to be really good games like he did on Tuesday, like he had on Tuesday against Atlanta. And they're going to be nights like tonight where he just struggled and he couldn't get the shot going. So, um, unfortunately, I think that's just the nature of being a 33-year-old player that's relied on some speed and athleticism and a little physicality. He's not as young as he once was. And he's not able to incorporate those aspects, those, phys- those physical aspects. They don't translate as well as they once did. And so there are going to be nights where he struggles a little bit. But hopefully we'll have more of the good than of the bad. And that'll still help his case as a potential six-man-of-the-year candidate because I think he is deserving, if nothing else, just because of his willingness to come off the bench. So we've seen from Dion and others around the league, they're not necessarily willing to do that. If, if Carmelo Anthony had a little bit more Goran's temperament, and I know that's hard to compare a superstar, all-time great perhaps, like Carmelo Anthony to Goran Dragic, I bet you Carmelo would still be in the league. Uh, unfortunately, he's not. And so... He wasn't willing to make those changes, and and you can see that now because he's not on an NBA roster. The Heat will host the Houston Rockets on Sunday, a game that tips off at 6 p.m., and I'll have your recap afterwards. But that's it for today. You can connect with me on Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat or email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. I'm David Rommel signing off and thanking you, as always, for your support. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.